Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Well, I want to welcome everyone here today, and thanks for taking the time and the space to be with us. What an exciting weekend in the life of our church. Not only are we entering into a new season as we are emerging from COVID, next stage restrictions are easing, but this is also the first weekend for us as one church in three locations. And that's exciting. That's exciting. Now, if that's news to you, if you're wondering who this guy talking is, I'd suggest maybe you go back and look uh, and watch last week's service. Uh, if I am a new face to you, my name is Jason. I'm one of the new pastors here at Avant Life Church, and uh, I'm excited to be with all of us today, be with you. And I'm also speaking today because Pastors Ben and Emma are on a family holiday this weekend for a few days, getting some much-deserved rest together. And so pray for them. We love that they had that time together. Now, if you were with us last week uh, at our online service, you would have remembered that Pastor Ben took some time to remind us of our vision for this season as a church, which is stated like this, that we're called to arise and advance. And he unpacked and gave some highlights of where we've come so far. And some of us today are new to Avant Life, and so maybe that's new language. You're hearing that for the first time. But this is the vision encapsulated in the hearts of our lead pastors for this season. And there's a lot entailed in a title like that, Arise and Advance. It sounds awesome. It sounds exciting. But I believe that the season that we're stepping into as a church, the season we're stepping into as a society, where as we begin to emerge from this disruptive season of COVID and as we begin a new season as one church now in three locations across our province, this season will require us to step into and live out this vision in a whole new way. You see, as the world is trying to get back to normal, as our, as, as our neighbors and our friends and our culture is trying to find some sense of normal again, it needs the church to not just go back to normal. The world needs the church to be anything but normal in these days. But how do we live into this vision? How do we arise and advance as a church in this season? What does it mean for us to be God's people in all of our places, on the North Shore, in Squamish, in Surrey? What does that mean? Like, how do we connect and engage with the culture around us in a way that brings life and it brings hope and it brings transformation to our neighborhoods? How do we do that? Because it's actually getting harder to do that, it would seem, in some ways. I don't know if you've noticed or if you've been paying attention or if you watch the news or have a Twitter feed or an Instagram feed, but the world is changing. The world's changed a lot in the last year. But one of the ways in particular that it seems to be changing is in the way that our world views faith and religion. What was normal or maybe even celebrated just one or two generations ago in regards to faith, is now seen at best as irrelevant, and at worst, it's dangerous. 
We're living in what many people would call a post-Christian culture, post-Christian culture, which, which is not just a culture that's moved on from Christianity, but in many ways is a culture that has defined itself against Christianity. As if to say that if that's what that's all about, I'm about to do the opposite. I'm going to go the opposite direction of these things. And so the question that I think many followers of Jesus, including myself, are asking ourselves in days like these is this, is how do we live as followers of Jesus in the midst of a culture that's growing more and more hostile towards Christianity? And is it even possible to be faithful to Jesus and his word and still make a difference in the world around us? See, there's lots of ways that we can respond to these questions. Some people, their response might be just to give up. It's a lost cause. There's too much to do. It's gone too far. Just can't do anything. For, for, for others, their response might be to just hide and retreat. It's a sense that says we just got to, you know, kind of back up from the culture. We need to back up from what's around us, and we just need to save ourselves. Still others, their response is to try and gain a sense of cultural dominance or power. We see this happening in pockets in our culture. But we can do another thing. We can have another response, and that is to engage. To to live in the way of Jesus in the midst of our changing culture and work together for its flourishing and good. And I do believe It is possible for us as a community in Squamish and on the North Shore and in Surrey to live in the midst of a hostile culture while holding a distinct set of beliefs and values and expressions in a way that bring life and goodness to our culture, that brings life and goodness to our neighborhoods, life and goodness to our workplaces and communities. And there are many ways we can do this as Christians, but today I want to talk about this idea, and it's this If we're going to live as faithful and fruitful followers of Jesus in the midst of our culture, we must live out a more compelling story. We have to live in and live out a more compelling story. What does that mean? See, the truth is, for every one of us watching today, is that we're all living out a particular story. Every day we have a narrative or story running through our heads about how things are, which things are true and which things are false, what, what is right and what is wrong. And that story informs the way we live. It informs how we interact with people. It informs who we think are good and bad. It informs uh, the way that we vote. It informs all aspects of our life. And most of the time, this story that's, that's running through our minds is, is, goes on unaware to us. But we live out of these stories in powerful ways all the time. See, this idea of story or narrative is just another word for worldview. All of us have adopted a way in which we see and interpret the world around us. Everybody, even my kids. I have three young kids if we're new and we're meeting each other, three boys. And my kids have a worldview that shapes the way that they live every day. But their worldview is different than my worldview. Because they don't worry or stress or think about the same things that I do. They're not worried about paying bills, and they're not worried about, you know, climate change yet. They're not worried about any of these types of things. Why? It's because their world is still quite small. Their understanding of how the world works barely reaches beyond our neighborhood. 
So their biggest issues are like, when are they going to get another snack and stop touching my stuff? That's their worldview. But eventually, as they grow and change, they will have a bigger view of the world. See, it's been said that every worldview has to answer four questions. It has to answer the questions of origins, which is, why am I here? It has to answer the question of morality, what is right and what is wrong? It has to answer the question of meaning, which is what in this life gives me meaning and purpose. And it has to answer the question of destiny, which is what happens to a human being when they die. Every one of us, whether you recognize it or not, you have an answer to those four questions. You have a a theory, at least, about those four questions. And I don't know is still an answer to the question. Every one of us have a worldview that has an answer to these questions. And Christianity actually has a very clear and very robust worldview that answers these questions in the most compelling of ways. There's a pastor called John Tyson, and he wrote this little book called The Creative Minority. And in it, in one of the chapters, he uses just a slightly different framework to answer these questions. So instead of origins and morality, meaning and destiny, he starts with this. He says, yes, answer the question of creation, which is where did I come from? Our worldviews need to answer the question of, of what went wrong, the fall. What's wrong with humanity? It has to speak to redemption, which is the question of how do we fix what went wrong? And then it speaks to a story of restoration, which is what is my ultimate purpose here on earth? And so this is how a Christian worldview begins to unwrap and answer these types of questions. When it comes to creation or where did I come from, it says this, that that the world is the good creation of a loving God. And at the pinnacle of creation, he made human beings, men and women, in his own image. But it also answers what went wrong because there was a fall that happened. And it says that human beings were tempted by Satan and we sinned. And that sin separated us from our loving God. And death entered God's good creation. But it's a story that speaks to redemption and answers the question, how do we fix what went wrong? And the answer is this, is that Jesus Christ put on flesh, became a human being, He lived a sinless life we could not. And he died in our place, the death that we deserve for our sins. And he rose again to forgive us our sins and to secure our eternity with him forever. But the story goes on because it speaks to the restoration of all things. And it speaks to what our purpose is as followers of Jesus here on earth. And it says this, the Christian story says that now we're invited to join God in seeing the renewal of all things on earth. Which is to say that we join him in seeing, his, seeing creation be all that it was intended to be at the beginning. I mean, that's our story. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's the story that you belong to. That's what God is doing. The problem is, is that you and I often sell this story short. We only live out a part of this story. Christians are some of the worst at living out only part of our story. I think we're classic at doing this. I think about it like this. It's like we've been given this beautiful four-chapter book. It's like an instruction for how to live and how to interpret the world. And we just live out of parts of it. And we skip over chapters. And as beautiful and compelling as the whole Christian story is, it's so damaging when we only live out of part of it. This is what I mean. This is the story that many of us, if you grew up around the Christian faith, you were pitched a story that goes something like this. It was just the fall part and the redemption part. And it was like this. Hey, 
You were born a sinner. You're a disaster. You deserve hell for your sins. Thank God Jesus came and died and rose again to forgive you for your sins so that you could go to heaven. Full stop. That's the story. Now, that's still not bad news if that were true. And it is true. It's not wrong. If this was only the beginning and end of the story, it's still good news for us. But the story is even better than this. Because there's good news on either side of the fall, what went wrong, and on either side of how do we fix it. Because there's a creation story that begins this whole thing that says the world is ultimately good and humans are made in God's image. Like it started good. It speaks to the value and dignity of every human being on earth. But it also has a, a part after all of this. And it's the story of restoration that says we're invited to join God in his restoration and renewal of all things in the world. That's good news. We need to live out of the whole story. Another way I see that people sell this story short is when we skip over that second chapter, the fall part. I see this happening a lot, I think. We, we like that beginning part, the creation story. God created human beings in his image. Every human has value and dignity. We love that. But that part about sin, that part about what went wrong, we like to skip over that. That's uncomfortable to talk about. But when we erase the part of the story that shows us the problem, then Jesus was not required to be a savior. And when he's not required to be a savior, at best we make him a decent moral teacher. And at worst, we paint him in a picture that supports and reinforces our desire to have power over others. And he becomes a political figurehead. And then when it comes to restoration, it's not us joining God's work. At best, it's us saying that God is joining our work and our view of where we think the world should go. We have to live out of the whole story that God is writing. Because for us to live as God's people, to be faithful and fruitful in the world, we need to understand and live out of the whole story. Because if we could see the whole story God is writing and our place in it, it would completely change the way we live out that story in the midst of our culture. And here's why it's important. Living from God's entire story tells us how to live as God's people in the midst of our culture. See, in a large part of the Old Testament, we read of God's people in exile. We see that Israel is defeated and taken from the land God had promised them and transported to a completely foreign land called Babylon. And the culture and values of Babylon are nothing like they had known. They were exiles in this new kingdom, removed from their home made to be slaves in a culture that cared nothing for their values, their customs, their worship, or their God. It's pretty hopeless. And at one point, the exiles receive a letter from the prophet Jeremiah. What's happening around this time is they, there's some false prophets that had been giving prophecies saying that, hey, God's going to set you free really quick. Like, it's just days away and, you know, stirring up hope in people. But then Jeremiah sends them this sobering yet hopeful word that I think speaks to us in our day and our moment that we live in. It's found in J Jeremiah chapter 29. And some of you are about to learn right now that Jeremiah 29 has more than just verse 11 in it. It says this, Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 7. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. 
He says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. God comes to a people in exile in a land that was not their own, and he says this, settle down, build houses, plant crops, have families, and seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Now think about that for a minute. How crazy does that sound? That doesn't sound right, does it? It sounds like something's off about that. If it were me, I'm saying, hey, I hate this place. I don't want to see it prosper. How can I work for its prosperity when they've taken us from our home and they're treating us this way? They, they don't care anything about our way. And, and I wonder if maybe if you're a follower of Jesus today, you can relate to this feeling at least just a little bit in our world. Because sometimes when I see the state of our culture, maybe see the hostility it can have towards our Christian faith, I feel sometimes, if I'm honest, like I just want to wash my hands of it. To be like, I'm done with this. It's too hard. It's too dangerous. Just let's, let's just hide away and gather in little Christian circles and do our thing and just wait for this to be, be done. But I believe God would say a very similar thing to us who maybe feel discouraged or frustrated or afraid of the culture around us. He would say this, settle down put down some roots and seek the peace and prosperity of the cities that I've placed you in. You know, it's proper, at least at some level, for us as followers of Jesus to feel like exiles in our culture. It's proper that we feel like we don't fit because the scriptures say that this world is not our home. We're actually citizens of a different place. But when we realize our part in God's story on planet Earth, then we become empowered to work for and seek the prosperity of the city in which we are in exile. When we understand the whole story that God is writing, we're invited into it. And we're invited into creating a good culture regardless of where we're located. No matter how hostile or foreign to the values of God's kingdom that place may be. See, when we don't live out of the whole story, we find ourselves in some dangerous places. When we skip parts of the story, we're left to fill in the blanks on our own. When we erase the part of the story that tells us what went wrong, then we're left to decide on our own what the problem is. And what human beings tend to do when we're trying to decide what the problem is, is we make other people who are not like us the problem. They're the problem. People that vote like that are the problem. People over there, they are the problem. We see this all the time. When we erase the creation and restoration pieces of our story, we have to fill in the blanks as well. So we say, well, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, but now what? How do I live? What's my purpose now? What do I do with all of this? And if we're not careful, we'll spend our whole time on earth waiting to get out of here. And our purpose then becomes to convert others, separate from the world, and wait for heaven. And we can spend our times on the outskirts of our culture, yelling at our culture about how dirty it is and hope to God we don't get too close that it gets on us as well. 
See, the danger in living out of only part of the story is ultimately that we can begin to adopt the worldview of the culture around us. See, remember, everyone lives with a worldview that answers those four questions. You have an answer to all of those questions some, in some way, shape, or form. And when we only live out of part of it, we're left to adopt the culture's view on the rest. What can happen is, is we can become really comfortable in exile, comfortable with the culture's definition of reality, no distinctness, no difference. And our Christianity becomes just another religious system in a marketplace of faith ideas, but it doesn't produce a life that transforms anything. It's just one of many. But the truth is, is that we have far more than just a religious system to offer our world. And we have a calling to bring about renewal of all things in every place. This is why it's our call right now. It's our vision as a church to arise and advance. So why are we joining churches together right now? And why are we dreaming and planning of starting new campuses? We're not just trying to build a brand for ourselves. We're not trying to build a name for ourselves. We're not just trying to have more gatherings of the already saved. And it's about more than just making sure more people go to heaven, but we have a high expectation that that's going to be true. Since we believe that God is active and moving, renewing all things in Squamish, in Surrey, across the North Shore, and across our province. And he's inviting you and me to join him in seeing the renewal of all things in every space. You see, we believe this. We really believe that our cities must be better because we're there. They have to be. The people of our city should prosper because we're there. There should be more beauty in our cities because we're there. There should be less lonely people in our cities because we're there. There should be less hungry people in our cities because we're there. Because we're joining Jesus in what he's doing all around us. Because the story of, that God is inviting us into as a church is bigger than just more church services. It's an invitation, every single one of us, to join him in renewing his good creation, to see the rule and reign of Jesus shift from something that we imagine happening one day to something that we see all around us every day. Jesus taught us to pray. If you, we hang out any amount of time, you're going to hear me say this over and over again. Jesus taught us to pray this. He said, Father, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the renewal of all things, where the kingdom of heaven breaks out into our lives all around us in powerful and mundane ways. And that's how things are renewed in our world. See, when we're caught up in the whole story of God and living out of his whole story, we have a much more compelling invitation to the world around us because it's such good news. Like, there's nothing better than this story. And it's more than, hey, Jesus died and rose again to forgive you from your sins. That's a part of it, but it's, there's more to it. Because our story speaks to the dignity and value of every human being. It speaks of his loving relationship with his people. It says that you were made on purpose in the image of a loving God. You're no accident. You are loved. You are seen. It's a story that answers the problems of the world. Like how, what went wrong? We know there's something wrong. The Christian story answers that. And it says sin is a big deal. And it distorts and perverts God's good creation. 
but it's a story that speaks to a Savior who came to make things right by giving his own life. And it's a story where God invites us now into his good work of renewing every place. And so to the young girl that lives on the streets of East Vancouver, the story says you have value. You're seen by God. You're not forgotten. You were made in the image of God. He loves you and your life is important. To the business person who looks like it ha- they have it all together, the, the story of God that it says this, it says you can actually live for something better than your bank account. And your work is important, but it'll find so much more meaning when you realize it can be part of God's story of renewing all things. To the struggling single parent, it says you're not forgotten or overlooked by God. He sees you and he's near and your life has purpose even in this overwhelming season that you find yourself in. It speaks to every space, to every person in every season, whether you follow Jesus for a day or your whole life, whether you feel like you've got all the time in the world or all the gifting in the world or you feel like you don't have anything to offer, the story of God, the story that God is writing says you have a place. So what would, what it would look like to live out of the whole story of God for the benefit and renewal of our cities across this province. See, I believe God is at work and he's on the move. But do we believe our city should be better because we're there? Do we believe that? Do we believe it should be more beautiful, more inclusive, more just, more educated, more loving? Do we believe that we're all called to cultivate and bring goodness to the city and not just try to escape it or try to somehow regain control over it? Do we have an imagination for what it would look like to see God's kingdom come in Surrey and on the North Shore and in Squamish as it is in heaven? See, when we know and believe that God is inviting us into his work of renewing all things, it changes everything. Because when I believe that God is inviting me into this work, all of a sudden, every job matters. Like the work's not just for the pastors. The work's not just for those who are called to vocational ministry. It doesn't matter what your job is. It matters because every job is part of all things. When I believe that God is inviting us into his work of renewing all things, we begin to understand that God can use us no matter what season we're in. You might feel overwhelmed and you might feel like you don't have time or space, but God can use your season exactly where you are to join him in his work. When we believe God is inviting us into his work of all things, we see every person, every human being as one that has immense value and dignity because they are part of all things. Our neighborhoods become a place where we can see heaven touch earth because God is on the move and inviting us to join him. And we start to see the brokenness of our world as prime spaces for God to show up and heal. Man, if we could just see the whole story, if we could believe the whole story, and if we could imagine our role in it, it would change the way we live out that story every day in the world around us. God's inviting us into all of it. There's such good days ahead there's important work to do God's moving and he's inviting you as he's inviting me to join him in his good work we are called as God's people to live out this story in small and powerful ways to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven
And so wherever you find yourself today, maybe you're in your living room, kitchen, your bedroom, you're taking this in with us today. I'd love to pray with you as we respond. I've got three ideas of what I think what that would look like to respond today. Maybe you're this person. Maybe you don't see yourself as someone who has the kind of value as one made in the image of God. Like maybe today, like that, that, that's what you're saying. Like, I just don't see myself in that way. I just see all the flaws. I see all the brokenness. But today God would say, I see those things too, but I see past those things. And I see what I put in you. And I see my image in you. The fingerprint of God is in you. And so I want to pray for you, if that's you, that that would be true in your heart, that you'd believe that today. Or maybe you're watching today and you're fearful or angry at the culture around us. But you're saying today, I want to gain God's heart. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to just cower away in fear. I want to engage as God invites me into his work. I'd love to pray for you. Or maybe you're here and you don't yet see how your role or your season or your gifts fit into something like the renewal of all things. You feel like God can use someone else, but he can't use me. So wherever you are, if you're one of those maybe three people, I don't know what it looks like to respond right now. Maybe you just want to like put your hand on your heart or you want to stand where you are, whatever that looks like. I want to pray for you. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and do his work because we need everybody. The work that God is calling us to, man, we need everybody. You're important. God's moving. And it's not going to be just us on a stage that get the work done. It's going to be you in your everyday life, joining God in what he's doing. So let's pray together as we respond to God's word today. Father, I pray that into every space right now, you would come by your Holy Spirit. I pray for the one today that's struggling with their, uh, who they are and their identity. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, cause the truth of Jesus to come alive in every heart. That we would know, that every person would know that we are made in the image of God. We have value and dignity, that he's got a plan for our life. For those of us who maybe are fearful or angry and confused about what's going on around us, I pray that you would give us the heart of Jesus for the world around us. I pray that we would love our neighbors, we would love the people of our cities, and we would look for every opportunity to join you in what you're doing. And God, I pray for those who don't see or know how they fit in this whole story. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would assure them today that they are gifted, that they are called, that they are placed where they are in this time in history in this city on purpose. And God, as we step as a church into this next season together, I pray that you would increase our imagination for what you want to do in and through us on the North Shore, in Squamish, in Surrey, and beyond. God, we believe that great days are ahead. And so I pray that we would say yes to the call and join you in all you're doing in every place and every space. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.